You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, Nick. How are you? Beautiful summer day. It is. Probably a little hot for you northerners, you know, but yeah. uh, we like it down south. Yeah, <laughs> when uh, when I start seeing 80 consistently on the um, on the thermometer, I start thinking about Manitoba. And, yeah, you know, moving further north. Yeah, some, <laughs> someplace, uh, someplace between here and the Arctic Circle, but that's all right. I'll be all right. Uh, to each their own, I guess. <laughs> So uh, today's topic is kind of an extension of an earlier podcast that we did on the book review of The Soul of Money. And kind of the underlying topic, Dave, is how to make yourself heard with the voice of money. And kind of what we mean by that is we all make a conscious or I guess in sometimes unconscious decision on how we spend our money, meaning, you know, where we purchase things from, what we do with the money that we have, the excess, the discretionary money, right? If it is truly your goal to make sure that your money is going to things that you support, Here's some tips on how to think about that and maybe also some financial tips on the best way to potentially do that. So I thought that would be a good topic for us to kind of go over how you might look at that and some financial strategies for getting that done. You know, to reiterate something we've said before, you know, when we look at someone's budget, you can really see what their priorities are because how you spend your money really is a reflection of your priorities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things about this day and age is everything is so easy and accessible. It is rare for us to just stop and take a second and think about (laughs) where am I purchasing this? Where is this actual purchase coming from? Right? Like, what is this? What are my dollars doing here? Um, And is that important to me? And for some people, maybe it's not, right? And so that's why we have a couple of different strategies where you might gravitate to one and say, hey, I really want to do this. I don't really care about, you know, where I necessarily buy things from. I'm cool with Amazon and the monster that they are. And you might have other people that say, I really want to be more conscious about, you know, purchasing things through something like Amazon or Walmart or whatever it is that you're, that doesn't, yeah. Or Etsy or your, or, or at the local farmer's market. Right. 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 Whatever doesn't match your values and you get to choose. That's the unique thing about this is, everybody's values are different and everybody prioritizes them different. And so these are just some interesting ways for how to get some of that stuff done so that you feel better about the use of your money and you are the only one that can make that decision. Exactly. So the first one on our list, Dave, is just being financially generous, right? And when we talk about this, we're talking about giving money away, right? Um, Right. And that can come in a lot of different forms. Um, The one that we run into the most is... I want to make a charitable contribution, right? Yes. And so there's a couple different financial ways to do that. But I think before even looking that far, I think what a lot of people maybe miss sometimes is doing your research and figuring out like, where is this money going? And is it going to be doing what I want it to do? Right? Like there's a... Because the U.S. is so charitable, it's an easy place for people to kind of take a look at and take advantage of the system in terms of like, the thing I think of is the, you know, everybody's seen the commercials with the 
starving dog and, you know, giving mm-hmm. money to, you know, nobody wants the dog to starve. Right. Right. And so they're pulling on those emotional strings and you, you know, and I'm not saying that that's a bad organization because I personally have never done the research, but if that's something that I'm thinking and strongly considering, there's probably a plethora of different options to support said dog and figuring <laughs> out what's, this, what's going to be the best one is probably a great first step of that. And so, yeah. Some of the resources that we've directed clients to and kind of helped them with in the past is there's something called Charity Navigator, which is a website right? Yeah, that will kind of give you detailed information on that particular organization. Yeah, and it scores all the, all the major national charitable organizations and how they utilize their money. You know, are there, is most of your money going to pay a uh, exorbitant salary to an executive director? Is it going to print glossy brochures or are they putting it to work doing things that you that their name says they do yeah and there's a wide variety and you know none of them are perfect but it kind of gives you an idea of how they're going to utilize your money and can give you a little more confidence before you make that gift yes on the national scale that's um you know obviously like we said a lot of those big national ones are Mm going to be on something like a charity navigator if you're looking on a local scale it's becomes a little bit more difficult. Um, although, you know, if you're running a 501c3, that would be like my first question mm-hmm. is, well, how are you organized? And then, you know, usually all, well, all those 501c3s have to have like public records of their financials. So you should be able to right. get a financial report on yeah. where they were in it, the last couple of years. On the local level too, you can, you can meet with board members. You know, that's when I, I was, uh, on the board of directors for the local Habitat for Humanity chapter for a number of years and served as president for a while. And it was pretty common for us to get sizable donations from people, but they would meet with us first and talk to us about how we were going to use that money or those those resources that they were looking to donate. That was um, That was an important part of the whole project. Another resource that I would say is take a look at your local community foundation, right? So every, you know, town, not every small town, but every area generally has a community foundation, right? So like, yes. for example, Lansing has the Capital Regional Community Foundation. Yeah. Up they have north, an in-depth Straits area. Yep. Foundation. Yep. And so they have an in-depth knowledge of a lot of the local charities and they can also kind of help you figure out, okay, do you want restrictions on your donation and can help you through kind of that process mm-hmm. on a bigger scale of like contributing to a foundation, starting your own foundation, which might be overkill for a lot of people, but they definitely have resources and can kind of point you in the right direction as far as local charities and, and how that all works. Right. So right. another, another area that you can check into. <laughs> So beyond the, um, you know, researching the charities, there's some different financial strategies that might make sense as well. And a lot of that comes down to taxes, right, Dave? Yes. I, you know, with so many things we tell clients, you know, you tell us what you want to do and we'll figure out the best way for you to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. And for the vast majority of what we've done over the last few years for clients in regards to charitable giving, it's been what are called qualified charitable distributions. Mm-hmm. for uh, folks over age 70 and a half. And essentially you can give money directly from your IRA to a charitable organization as long as it's a 501c3, which is going to cover churches and pretty much any, pretty much any legitimate uh, nonprofit you can think of other than um, 
like political action committees and um, lobbyists don't count those kind of things, campaigns. Essentially, you know, what that does is it gets you around the need to itemize on your taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because essentially by having the money go directly from the IRA to the charity, you don't have to recognize it as income at all. Mm-hmm. So um, it's great in this world where the standard deduction on our taxes has gotten high enough that it's difficult for people to give away enough to get any tax benefit from it otherwise. 80, 85% of people now don't itemize or something right. along those lines. Right. And unless you're giving away a lot of money, that's probably not going to in and of itself be enough to get you over that hurdle. So mm-hmm. not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, it just means we have to be a little more strategic about how we can get tax advantages from Jeff's. Another strategy along those lines as well is, you know, charitable giving is still tax deductible, but the deal is it's part of your itemized mm-hmm. donate or your itemized deductions. deductions and so you have to be over a certain threshold. So if you're close to that threshold, what a lot of people will do is if you have planned annual giving, you might do what's called batching, which is you might give two years worth in one year by doing, you know, upfront in January and then December of the following year. So it's not really a burden on you other than maybe a couple of days, but might help out more in the tax realm. Right. Having a bigger donation so that you can actually itemize and use those in one given year. Another good strategy if you're not old enough to do uh, qualified charitable distributions or the batching strategy won't work. You know, some people will have appreciated assets that they've held for a long time, like maybe some stock that you bought years ago at a low cost basis. And now if you sold it, you would have to pay considerable capital gains on it. Well, just about every charity out there, including you know small local ones, are going to have an account set up at a brokerage firm where you can gift them shares of stock instead of dollars. Mm-hmm. And what that does is you don't sell the stock and realize the capital gain. You let the charity sell the stock and realize the capital gain because the charity doesn't pay taxes on the gain. Mm-hmm. So you're saving yourself the capital gains rates, the charity's getting the same dollar cost or, you know, dollar amount donation, most likely that you would have given anyway. And uh, they certainly don't mind taking care of the stock. A great strategy for um, giving and just kind of making sure that you're aware of how that works and how it can benefit you and the charity in the long. And then the last one kind of on our list that we have for today, at least, is donor advised funds. They're your donating money into an account that is under the auspices of a foundation, usually a 501c3 foundation, where you still control the account and control the investments, but you make a contribution, say $25,000 all in one year, take the deduction for that, and then you make grants from it over your lifetime to charities. You don't deduct them at the time you give the money to the charities. You deduct the money at the time you put it in the fund. Yeah. So it's another way to get over it. It's essentially the same strategy as batching mm-hmm. in moving all, you know, all of your contributions for several years into one year this way. Yeah, and just allows you to, you know, kind of spread that money out how you see fit over time, but mm-hmm. also get the best, you know, tax deduction potentially by doing it that way. And, yeah. and one thing that I guess we didn't really bring up is 
you know, these are strategies to, to save on taxes. But if you find that your civic duty is to pay those taxes, then <laughs> maybe you don't worry about these things, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I've actually had a client tell me that he wasn't worried about uh, yeah. saving on taxes for those reasons. So kind of the, one of the, the second way, I guess, uh, where you can use your money to kind of support your values is by making a conscious effort to use the money more ethically. Now, ethically can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So right. we're not going to try to describe that. But the first thing that comes to mind with this, Dave, is there is something called ESG investing. And there's actually also a lot of more... So ESG is environmental, social, and governance, right? So we're basically right. screening companies that meet these qualifications. But there's also a lot of other things that you can screen for as well, depending on how you want to do it. So you could screen for like, I don't want to invest in a company that you know supports abortion or whatever it is that your value is. There's a lot of different mm -hmm. ways to screen those things now. So it doesn't necessarily have to be ESG, although that's the one you usually hear the most about is ESG investing. Yeah. And it's it's become a bit of a controversial topic over the last year. It's kind of a growing industry in an area. And anytime there's changes like this, it's kind of a pendulum action where you get pushed back. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so so there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of discussion around the concept right now. But, you know, as you said, there's a lot of different ways to get it done. So just just be aware that, you know, those things are out there. And, uh, you know, again, you know, a lot of times it's a matter of us saying to the client, you know, you tell us what what your goal is and we'll we'll help you figure out the, the right strategy to get you there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and without going into too much detail about ESG, we actually did, what was it, last year, I think, uh, where we had Apollo come in and did just a phenomenal presentation yes. on ESG. Um, so we'll put a link to that uh, video in the show notes to um, share with people if they're interested in more of the granular details of how that would work. But that's certainly a way that you can, you know, just be conscious of, you know, the companies that you invest in and, and that, you know, ethically or, or how you want to screen companies at this point is kind of up to you. We're seeing a lot more advancements in what you're able to do in portfolios now. The technology has made it a lot more cost effective for smaller investors to get more granular about what, and the, but, the, but in a broader sense, just think about how you spend money and who you support, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You mentioned Amazon, you know, earlier. If, if you know, keeping things local is a goal of yours if you want to you know make you're going to pay a little bit more to support local businesses most likely but you know that has its upside too you support your community those people maybe they're your customers for something else you know i, I think back to uh probably 20 years ago now there there used to be bumper stickers you'd see in southern michigan that said i work for ford and i drive a ford right yeah and oh, you yeah. know kind of kind of kind of a slogan built on that same concept like it's important to me to support the company that I work for so that, yep. you know, and, and we're kind of, kind of all in this together. But, you know, I listen to people complain about how, you know, vacant main street is yet they're shopping at Walmart, you know, right. <laughs> you know, we can't have it both ways. We can't complain that nothing's made in America anymore. When at the same time, we want the cheapest stuff we can get. Right. As fast you know. as we can get it. <laughs> right. 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 So, you know, you can't have it both ways. You know, the economy is made up of millions and millions of decisions made every day by 300 and some million people in this country, right? 
Right. If we all voted, if we all vote with our dollars, you know, if, if we if we were more conscious about it, like you said in the beginning, things would look a little bit different. It's tough because it's always like back, like we don't we a lot. Of, it's one of those you don't realize what you had until it's gone kind of things. Like you don't right. we're not going to reinvent the uh, American textile industry at this right. point. You know, your your shirt t shirts are still going to come from Bangladesh and Vietnam. Or you know wherever that's that's just the way it is now. But think about that with things you can still buy local or buy American made if that's important to you. And I think that um, you know just being conscious about that and doing your research. You know, obviously a lot of people like to shop online, but you know there's the benefit of online commerce is that you can do a lot of research on the companies that you buy from. So mm-hmm. you know if it's a global brand, research there presence, check out their policy page, look at their, you know, from trustworthy external sources, if that's something that you're worried about. So, you know, shopping, obviously shopping local and and having those conversations with people, but also Mm -hmm. as you're, you know, looking for convenience and getting things online, there's a good way to go about vetting some of these companies and making sure that you're comfortable with how they're producing these goods and what that all looks like. And, and I think that's become more important for a lot of companies as well, as we see that kind of push towards local, um, smaller businesses and companies, kind of, or larger companies kind of mm-hmm. not necessarily jumping on the bandwagon, but being aware of that and trying to be more sustainable or, or trying to do things a way that consumers would appreciate. The third thing on our list, Dave, is uh, devote ourselves to public service. And so what we mean by that is giving back your time. So we talked mm-hmm. about, you know, being generous with charities, but a lot of these local charities are clamoring oh, for volunteers yeah. right now and, and really Big can't time. find people. So it's another way to get involved. I know, so I've been on, recently gotten off of two different boards. One, the <laughs> Davies Project, which has volunteer drivers as their whole volunteer force. Um, they're always looking for more drivers. And then the homeless shelter that I was on the board of has a lot of different needs. But the main mm-hmm. one was just having people there when the guests were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so in finding, and, you know, we, they actually had to go out and hire people to do a lot of those shifts because they couldn't find the volunteers anymore. So that's a good, you know, every single one of these companies these nonprofits usually have volunteer opportunities that are available. I don't know any of them that are turning people away. Yeah. And usually a broad variety of expertise needed if you look around. Or even serving on a board, right? Almost all mm-hmm. of these nonprofits are looking for board members too. So you might have a, you know, experience in whatever that they're looking for. A lot of them are looking for certain different experience levels. So depending on your background, you might be a great fit to serve on a board or a committee. Um, as far as financial strategies for that goes, obviously keeping track of any you know donations that you make, but also um, mileage, I believe, is still something that you can track and write off depending on obviously where you're, whether you're itemizing or not. So it's much of a smaller yeah, thing. So you'd really as, have to be now, but yeah. not, yeah, not necessarily as valuable, but certainly something that, you know, if you're driving for a company right. and you're not getting reimbursed for that, that might start to add up after a while. Well, and we should mention, I think we, we missed it earlier, but you are able to deduct $300 a year per taxpayer. So married filing jointly would get $600 a year 
of cash donations without itemizing. Yep, as a part of the CARES Act for yeah. um, the last couple of years. Yeah, kind of goes in this section too. But you know, if you're yep. supporting a board, if you're if you're on a board of directors, you're probably going to be expected to make some monetary yes. commitments too. So yes. at least I I always was, <laughs> um, which is fine. It's good. Yeah, right? yeah. But uh, but you know, do keep track of at least three hundred dollars a year or six hundred dollars a year if you filed jointly of cash donations, even if you don't itemize. Um, and then the fourth one on our list, Dave, is to become an advocate for socially responsible public spending by government on health, education, yes. safety, anything else that's important to you. And kind yeah. of the note that I took from this was get involved in local politics. And vote. And vote. Yes. yes. Number one for sure is I, vote. You know, I could I could talk for the rest of the day about, you know, what I see as some of the political ills of this country right now. But I think, I honestly believe that if voter participation got into a reasonable realm of, of, of voter turnout, we have very different and very much more appealing outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if we could get to like 60% or 70% voter turnout consistently, this country would feel and look a lot different and a lot better to most people. Yeah, for sure. So this is one of those where it's, you know, we, we all complain about government, but very few of us actually step up and, you know, try to get involved. And I think it's especially important on the local level because it can make a big difference on a local election where, you know, the the voting population is much less and it's very, it's impacts you much more. It impacts you directly. Right. Right, Exactly. Right. So it it is funny because it's inversely like voter turnout tends to be the best in a presidential election where your vote is probably the least meaningful. And the, you know, as much as we like to focus on the president for good, bad, or in different reasons, it it doesn't have nearly as much impact on your actual life as probably who's on your uh, county uh, road commission or your, or your school board. Right. So absolutely. Where where you're where we're talking hundreds of votes makes a you know a big campaign. Mm-hmm. So so get out there get and think about local. And that's something I should probably be better about too. But uh, that is a kind of an ironic truism of American politics. Indeed, indeed. So some other final kind of considerations that you could think of as well. One of them is how you earn your money, right? Choosing work that's consistent with your values. It's not, you know, sometimes that's easier said than done in a lot of ways. But if you're not happy with kind of the direction your company's going or the things that they're doing or producing or how they're doing or producing them, maybe that's something to consider and think about, you know is this really in line with my values? And and that's a big struggle for someone who's making money at maybe a way that they don't want, that they're not comfortable with. It can be easier said than done, but I know it's not, not always easy for people to contemplate changing a job just because they don't agree with corporate policy, but something to keep in mind or try to be a voice of making a change make change too yeah. right it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean you have to quit your job but maybe you try to take on a different role and and get things changed into uh you know more palatable um direction if you will 
Another one, how you choose to provide food, clothing, shelter, and education for your family. You know, we've got a lot more um, choice in those things right now and being intentional mm-hmm. about those and thinking about those. We talked a little bit about, you know, local farmers markets and things like that and advocating for healthy, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables from local farmers is super important. And it's one of those things, if you don't support them, then they'll stop existing. So they won't be there, right? <laughs> Right. So uh, making a conscious effort for that and just, you know, how money that you use to power your own creativity and self-expression. I think of this in terms of just investing in yourself, right? Like how are you going to use your time, your talents and your treasures um, to be creative and and be self-expression and and to make that an impactful, important part of your lives, I think, is another um, thing you could look at. And then, you know, if you're an employer, the money you invest into the resources to make your workplace an expression of your values, obviously that's an important to you and I, Dave, we, especially when it comes to the financial planning industry in terms of, you know, how we see it and how we advocate for being fee-only fiduciary planners and and trying to get the entire financial advice industry on the same page. Um, super important to us. Yeah, we, we're pretty committed through memberships and some associations that support that. And they advocate and lobby on our behalf on those things that we we believe in as part of the greater public good. But, you know, also just on a corporate policy level, you know, we, we believe in, you know, providing a flexible work environment and, you know, allowing each of us to... Um, work from home when needed and have some flex time and scheduling built around that, you know, those Mm -hmm. kind of things. And then the commitment to one thing I'm, I'm proud of that you and I have, well, we've done as a team has been committed to trying to educate young planners to go out and help improve uh, the industry too. Yeah, absolutely. From our internship program to, you know, we brought Ashley on as an associate advisor and and kind of designed a training education program for her to get her CFP and to really kind of have a much better introduction into this business than maybe you or I did and hope to be able to continue stuff like that in the future and just bring along that next generation. And, you know, as as a company, we're always trying to you know, improve and we have a great education policy on certificates and training and making sure that's an important part. And what I would also say as well is always trying to educate, you know, in just financial education and kind of going out of Mm -hmm. our way to help people that maybe aren't clients, but, you know, young professionals and people that need some of that financial education, we're always willing to kind of sit down and, and help them out and give them some guidance when they're just getting started. So I think that about wraps it up, Dave. Hopefully this has been helpful to our listeners to just think about some of the ways that you're spending money and maybe taking one or two of these and making it a priority in your lives to kind of align how you utilize your money with your values and what's most important to you. And that typically tends to, you know, increase your relationship with money and, you know, your, your happiness levels in a lot of ways. So I would definitely recommend if you're thinking about some of these things to try them out and see how it goes and and see how you feel. As always, if our listeners have questions about these strategies or anything else, feel free to email us at info at srbadvisors.com. But uh, it's been a pleasure, Dave. Good stuff, Nick. Thanks. 
Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.